about them Irish. I can't take it anymore. I need a national championship. This is the Four Horsemen Podcast. Ninety-seven point one. That is Sam Hartman's QBR out of a hundred after two weeks of college football. That ranks second in the country, despite having a two-game sample size where everybody else has only played one. Ladies and gentlemen, listeners of the Four Horsemen podcast, I'm Dylan, joined by Steve. And do we ever have a legitimate Heisman campaign to run? Sammy Heisman, 56-3, to blowout of Tennessee State, pulled at halftime because he was so good, so on the money. Steve, what did you think of the game? Uh, everything that we expected to, to be. Uh, in fact, if we are going by the, uh, the score predictions from last week, I predicted 59 to nothing. Dylan predicted 56 to three, which was the exact score. So congratulations, Dylan, for knocking that directly out of the park and, and, uh, hammer right on the nail there. Um, yeah. You call I, me mystic Mac because I predict <laughs> these things. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we were pretty much right on, and and uh, also in regards to just like get Sam out at halftime, um, would it be would it have been cool to see Sam, you know, throw for three fifty and four touchdowns? Yeah, great, but you know, fourteen for seventeen, one ninety four, two touchdowns, get off the field at halftime and be the you know the the cheerleader for your two backup quarterbacks that ended up entering the game uh, to get them some valuable you know in game reps. It was perfect. It was it was a it was a great experience. Um, didn't see as much of the Tennessee State band as we would have hoped, which is kind of like NBC. What the hell are you doing? And at the more macro level, college football, you know, masterminds and and producers and and this whole uh, leviathan that's going on in regards to basically sucking the soul out of the sport in exchange for money. Like that's that's been a total boner killer um so yeah like i i could go without seeing the uh you know the the tide detergent commercial in exchange for seeing uh you know a, a historic ban in a basically a once in a lifetime sort of scenario that that would have been my preference but to each their own nbc um but yeah awesome game we balled out as expected and uh sam hartman continues to be lethally efficient which is what we're gonna need to be a serious uh, CFP contender, which I certainly believe that we are. So, uh, I had a great time watching the game. Um, I, you know, you, you definitely changed my mind last week in regards to, okay, you know what FCS, all that whole, whole sort of thing. And the never playing before, uh, it actually didn't end up mattering whatsoever. So, you know, two and oh, we move on to NC state, but how, how about you? You know, it's funny the way you said that I could hear the Big Ten fans listening, thinking you're going to say the same thing when you join a conference. No, we won't. That's different. Um, that, that is extraordinarily different. Much, much bigger tradition. But just the way you had said it, not being a big deal, is, seems to me kind of like what people would say to us. Um, yeah, so Sam Hartman is, it's not just how good he is in terms of the stat sheet. And how cool and collected he is in his leadership. 
there are things he does with the ball that really impresses me. Not only is he accurate, not just passing completion, talking about ball placement, but also the timing. His touchdown throw to Chris Tyree, where he hits him on that out route, just beautiful. He drops it. It's zone coverage. He drops it right in there on the money and allows Tyree the time to get into the end zone. I don't know when the last time we've seen that is. Just he can see the future. He can see where a guy is going, and he knows exactly how to put it. The touch is on the money. The ball placement is on the money. He's mobile. He's not going to be a running quarterback, but he can scramble. He can get out of pressure. Notre Dame's offensive line is not going to give up pressure. It's just this guy is a difference maker. Yes, Notre Dame is better than they were last year. Yes, this team is really, really talented. But it's really the Sam Hartman effect, I think, that's going to be the difference this season. And it's what makes me think that Ohio State game, It if it wasn't for Sam Hartman, I would think that's going to be a close game we can win to, I think we're going to blow them out. Yes. That's, that's, I'm just, I'm at that stage with Ohio State. I'm sure we'll get into it. I watched the Ohio State-Indiana um, scoreline. I wasn't watching too, too closely. I know some of you guys were. Mm. Doesn't seem super impressive. The Ohio State fans were livid throughout the whole game. Their tone has changed. I think I think this is a great segue, Steve. What, what do you think of that game? And has your opinions of that game changed? Yeah, no, you're exactly correct. I If we, in, in the hypothetical world where, where Hartman never comes and it's Buckner, I would see Notre Dame versus OSU in, in our stadium as a 23-20 game. With with the Irish, on they could come out on either end of that that score line, right? I think yep. we would either lose close or win close. Um, would would be and it would be a, a relatively mid scoring game, not not too high, not too low. Um, not to get way out of our you know our, our skis uh, ahead of ourselves, and uh, not not to put bulletin board material out there, but. I the way that Hartman is playing, and then combined with the uh, the underwhelming performance uh, against Indiana, I could see Notre Dame winning by two to three touchdowns at home. Now, obviously, anything can happen between now and then, and and Ohio State is still a, an extraordinarily talented program. So you know, I wouldn't put it past Ryan Day to get his team right. They still have another three weeks here, um, but as things are trending. There's a reason why I think Notre Dame is the number two talented program in the country. I, I've, if I had a vote, I would rank them as the number two team. I think they're the second best team in the country as it stands today on November the 5th as when we're recording. So uh, is that subject to change? Certainly is. Hopefully they go higher than number two, not lower. Um, but yeah, we Sam Hartman, as you've pointed out, the efficiency, the touch that he has on his passes, the pocket presence, his ability to see the future, like you said, but also you've seen on several occasions against Tennessee State. And again, of course, yeah, it's Tennessee State. It's an FCS school. We get it. But he went through on several occasions, three different reads before getting the ball into the hands of a wide receiver. If you have a college football a quarterback that can go through three reads progressively, that means he is going to be a difference maker in a game, especially against a team like Clemson, LOL, Ohio State, USC. 
right? Those are going to be the difference maker things that he can do. The offensive line has been great about protecting him again. Yes. Okay. Against lower competition, but if we're getting this offensive line protection with our receivers and Sam Hartman has the ability in those big games to, to pick teams apart and get to his second and third reads, I don't see how he doesn't win the Heisman. It's just like everything is adding up. So that's, that's what I'm seeing on my end. Yeah, that's that Notre Dame privilege, right? Uh, you, Because of your media presence and who you are, you're afforded a little more wiggle room on winning trophies sometimes. <laughs> um, you know, uh, if Max Duggan, the season he had at TCU, was at Notre Dame, he would have won the Heisman, and I'm pretty confident in that. And I, I, it's possible. I don't know if Hartman will match Caleb Williams in, in statistics and highlight plays, but if you take Notre Dame to a college football playoff, beating two, if not three, of... Ohio State, Clemson, USC, brother, <laughs> that's a Heisman. That's number eight right there waiting for you. So I think that's possible. I'm all aboard the Sammy Heisman train. Just a dominating win. Um, defense was a little sus for the first two drives, but then after that, shut them down. They couldn't do much on offense. They definitely couldn't do much on defense against us. Sam Hartman got the ball with a minute, went 80 yards with time to spare. It was unbelievable, um, and he hit our tight end like four times on that drive. Mitchell Evans, what a breakout performance he had today, or that game. Um, yeah, top to bottom, I was super impressed. The offensive line has been dominant. Now, granted, they should be against these teams, but if you move Ohio State at just a fraction of what you've been moving everybody else, uh, you're going to score points, and I don't think Ohio State's going to score points on you, but I don't want to jump ahead too far. We got NC State this week, um, and we got Horseman to recap. So I'll let you take the first crack here. Who's your uh, your four, one of your Horsemen of the Week? Yeah, that's, that's an excellent question. <laughs> um, yeah, it, I, I'm going to say, oh, God. Yeah, I'm going to just go with the layup here, and it has to be Audric Estime. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm taking a layup to start, but Audric, yet another great performance. Uh, 13 carries, 116 yards, and a touchdown. Longest run of the day was 50 yards, which he was just barreling through defenders. Uh, as he Once he gets in the open field, he's terrifying. 8.9 yards average. Um, and did he add any uh, – he had a, a catch for seven yards, but uh, – and the fact, again, that you only need him to run the ball 13 times, it's very valuable for him not to continue to take hits and stay fresh. Keep so, him fresh. Yep. yep. Congratulations. And you know what? Uh, this is just a random thought here, but that could help with him perhaps returning for a fourth season if he's not taking too many hits because running backs, their life are short in the league. They're... The older they get, the less likely they are to be in the league. So getting out early is a good idea. So I could see Estime leaving, and I would probably encourage him to leave. Yeah, after this. I, I, I truthfully hope he does leave. But in the event that he doesn't get that many touches, doesn't take that much damage, he might feel like, well, you know what, why not go for a fourth with the, the way NIL is these days? Um, that's something that could be a Notre Dame's factor a year from now, and I know that's getting way ahead of ourselves here, but... Uh, I'll take a layup too, Steve, and I'm going to go for the second week in a row, Sam Hartman. That's my boy. Uh, I'm going to try to take him 14 weeks in a row, including a semifinal victory and a college po football playoff national championship. Um, so I'll pitch that back to you for number three. Um, I, I, do we have to do a P-Wagon special teamer or because he's not here, we can kind of 
avoid that. We, yeah, we can we can go by that. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go with Howard Cross the third, plugging up the middle of the field, six tackles, uh, two of them solo, so four combined, and he also had a pass deflection at the uh, the line of scrimmage. So um, continues to be just a solid presence in in the center of that defensive line. We always said like he's not gonna be Lewis Nix. Right, but he's not—he's not, he's not going to be, you know, the a world beater like Aaron Donald. But he's—he's uh, he's a very, very, very solid player, and does certainly have the potential of an NFL future. So he's a talented guy, and, and he's been showing up, kind of game in, game out. So good for Howard Cross. Yeah, I'll. Uh, I know it's kind of cherry picking a stat here, but I'll go with Clarence Lewis on the pick six. Mm-hmm. I think he's a guy who's been so like quietly solid. And I feel like he gets overlooked a little bit by the fan base. Um, just a really program guy. How long has he been playing at this program? I think he's, he got some time as a f- true freshman, right? Like yeah. he's been here quite a few years now. Uh, just gets the job done. And I want to give him props for that. I thought, you know, pick six, if anyone deserves it, it might be, it might be Clarence. And there's, look, there's so many good DBs on this team, you know. I feel like he does get overlooked a bit. So shout out Clarence. Big touchdown for him. I loved loved what I saw um, from from the secondary. Yeah, this game. absolutely. And we'd be remiss if we didn't also give an honorable mention to Steve Angeli. Eight for 11, 130 yards and two touchdowns. And yes, his two touchdowns were checkdowns to running backs, but it doesn't matter. They don't ask how, they ask how many. So congratulations yep. to his first two touchdown passes and his uh, first career appearance at Notre Dame Stadium. I don't know if that last part is correct, but at the very least, his first two touchdowns. What did you think of the Jeremiah Love touchdown? Super impressive. Uh, In the the words of P-Wagon, he could make you miss in a phone booth. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like uh, running full speed, and all of a sudden he just like went outside inside in a single stride of just shimmying past the defenders, splitting them. And the next thing you know, I, I thought, I legitimately thought he was going to either duck out of bounds or like try to split those guys and get tackled. And the next thing you know, he's, he's crossing the pylons. So, um, man, is he, is he fast? And, and he is, that's why I say that Audric go to the NFL and make your money brother, because the talent we have be- behind you is going to be perfectly fine. Go make your money, Audric. And it only gets better each and every year. Like the, the recruiting of the running back position is outstanding. Kendron young, baby. Oh, I can't wait. That's Audric's replacement ready, ready to go. Um, yeah, I think with Love, it was the patience, the vision, but also you see how he's not just fast, he's quick. Like he's twitch. That was a quick twitch. It was so fluid and he just blew right by him. Um, I love it. I think he's going to be a phenomenal player for Notre Dame. You've seen great, great flashes of him already. And that's it. The freshman, man, that's been the story of the year. Jaden Greathouse, Rico Flores, Jeremiah Love. Uh, I want to put Jadarian Price in that list, even though he's a class ahead, just because it's the first time we're getting to see him. Um, and on the defense, you're getting guys chip in everywhere. And it's just, it, it's really nice. The offensive line has been great. I'm really excited about this program, guys. Super, super excited. I don't know if I've been this excited for so long, because like you said last week, Steve, there's always been a position or an area of the team that isn't good or that is a liability. And I feel like for the first year now, I don't know if there is one. I just, we got to see against better competition, but Mm -hmm. so far it's hard to, 
it's hard to to be upset with anything. They, there's they've been so good, so so good. Exactly. Yeah, I I, I think that our pass rush is going to be quite okay. Um, I I am I not concerned, but like the the only area where I against elite competition, how is our run defense going to hold up? And I think that the answer is very well. And I'm hopeful. Uh, but that's that's going to be something to keep an eye on. But one thing I did want to comment on before we uh, you know we kind of move on here is how about the resiliency of the Notre Dame defense and the attitude that they had? Okay, they're up seven to three after conceding a field goal. The uh, the Devin Ford you know hit happens where he gets hit, ball knocks loose, fumbles, uh, and then all of a sudden, next thing you know, you know Tennessee State down seven to three has the ball inside your 20 yard line i think they or maybe at like the 21 yard line or something like that um and then notre dame just basically that their defense goes right back on the field after just being on the field for a long drive uh and then they shut down the um you know the offense and again with the caveat yes it's tennessee state but tired defense with a game rocking hit that should have been targeting but we're not going to go there um you know, they, they go back out there, take care of business, and then they block the kick, uh, which, by the way, shout out uh, Bishop Hendrickin, Jason Anye. Um, I can't believe I said Bishop Hendrickin shout out, but that's my rival high school. We're just going to leave it at that. But, hey, Jason Anye, hell, hell of a blocked uh, kick for him. So um, just uh, – and it felt – and then you see Marcus Freeman out there. That's what I'm effing talking about, you know, getting out there with his guys to celebrate. That that's sort of the uh, the game changing stuff, the program changing stuff, more accurately that we've been waiting for. Kind of that juice, uh, as as we've talked about in the past, that really fills us up, and and uh, I, I think is going to be the ultimate differentiator into uh, Notre Dame 2.0 as we're in the 2020s as compared to the 2010s. Yeah, well said. Uh, super resilient. Was super impressed by them. I just. I, I I'm just so excited, Matt. Like I, I can't remember. 1932 was the last time Notre Dame has started off this good in terms of margin of scoreline. 1932. That is after the Frank Leahy teams. That is Jeez. just. I Notre Dame has been to a college football national championship in two playoff games. And they have not been nearly as this dominant. And yes, it's Navy and Tennessee State. But I don't think it's going to stop this week. And maybe that's a good jumping off point. This is a pretty sweet week for college football, as every week is. I'm just so grateful that it's back. I think that's number one. But it's a pretty good week for, for games. Uh, last week, we uh, I went 4-1 and one with predictions. The only loss was Duke and Clemson. You and P-Wagon both picked Duke to win. Do you want to talk about that game and, and, I don't know, your thoughts on it? Yeah. Wow, 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 has the landscape of college football changed in a, in a hot second because now all of a sudden the, uh, the ACC is Florida State's to lose, which we can cover on after this. But, um, yeah, Clemson went out and laid an egg. Uh, and with a severely unimpressive offensive performance and very kind of just shades of what they were uh, last year, even against Notre Dame, like they weren't airing the ball out down the field at all. And honestly, Clemson currently in their circumstances feels exactly like Notre Dame 2018, 2019. Very, very good defensively. 
good position players and skilled players throughout the entire roster, but ultimately they have a quarterback that is not able to push the ball downfield. That's going to have opposing defenses being able to stack the box, put them in in not advantageous situations. Um, Will Shipley played decent, but again, like there's when you when you have that many players uh, playing in the in the box and and taking out those running lanes, yeah, he might get his five or six yards here or there, but eventually, with running not being as uh, uh, efficient as passing, right? You need you need that pass in order to to air it out to get down the field to put the defensive backs on their heels in order to open things up. We've we've talked about this kind of ad nauseum. Uh, but for any new listeners, this is kind of the, the EPA, the advanced analytics of, you know, passing to open up the run, running to open up the pass. It, it, it's all, uh, you know, a symbiotic relationship. But is, And right now, Cade Klubnik cannot get that ball downfield. Turns out when he doesn't have Jaden Greathouse to throw to, he's not that good. <laughs> uh, they went to the same high school together, in case you were wondering, uh, at home. But yeah, um, yeah, I, wow. I mean, they they just and they actually had a decent amount of yards and a decent decent amount of of possessions over the fifty yard line uh, in Duke territory. They just were not able to execute. And uh, Dabo Swinney potential hot sweet hot hot sweet hot seat because um, yeah he he did not make uh, many adjustments in that game at all. And it was it was ugly for them. Beautiful for Duke. Um, now that, that trip to Durham in a couple of weeks does make things look a little bit more hairy. Uh, but maybe again, this is, has been the question that's been posited and, and I'm going to posit the question and pass back over to you here. Uh, was Duke really the real deal or is Clemson really just a dying beast? Yes. Is the answer. Um, <laughs> Duke, Duke is legit. Duke is a good football team. They are one of the teams I flagged as tougher games of the year after the big three. However, Clemson should have beat them. And Clemson played down. Clemson had the ball four times in the red zone and didn't come away with points. If they play that game again, Clemson probably wins. But Clemson is not Clemson anymore. And I think we saw that last year. And I didn't think DJ was the problem. There seems to just be an issue at Clemson. I don't know if I'd say Dabo's on the hot seat, just given how you know he's won them two national championships. But we don't know what's going on. We don't know how lethal that program can be. Um, I would say Duke is legit. Clemson is still a good team. They just played really poorly. That's how I would dissect that game. Am I worried about Duke? No. And the atmosphere for that game will be even better now. <laughs> now that they've had one upset when they get Notre Dame in town, they'll be going for two. But I don't think that'll be a night game, right? Like I feel like. Um, I don't know why I'm thinking that, but I thought it was an earlier kickoff. Uh, let me pull that up right now for you. In in the meantime, I'll just talk uh, to the to audience. To be determined currently, to so there's determined. no set time. Okay, that could be flexed out. It depends what's that week. So, um, I'll go back to what I was going to say there for for the audience. You were talking about a symbiotic relationship, you know, passing to run, running to pass. Shout out Jared Parker. How great has his play calling been? Just so refreshing top to bottom. It's and I had a feeling this would happen, which is why I was not freaking out about the Andy Ludwig situation, because I thought Jared Parker has the goods and uh, so far so good. Let's hope he keeps it up. But yeah, getting back to Duke, I think that game's going to be great. I still think we should beat them by double digits. 
I'm not afraid of it now that they've beaten Clemson. We, I mean, we thought this would happen. We, I made a good case for it last week. You and P Wagon took them to win. Um, I took them to cover for sure, and they did more than that. They beat the piss out of Clemson. Really, they they broke their will to live. I caught, I caught parts of that game, and I was. I wasn't surprised, to be honest with you. I kind of expected a dud from Clemson, but I thought they would pull it out. So that hurts our strength of schedule, but I don't think we'll need it that much. You still go one loss here in the playoff with this schedule. Uh, Duke, not afraid of them, but now teams are, you got to be aware. Fans got to be aware that's a game. So that was my dissection of the game. What I want to know your thoughts. I mean, I was at a Guns N' Roses concert, so I missed it. LSU and Florida State. Our old boy, Brian Kelly, how did he fare in a big game, Steve? Not great, Bob. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So what did did LSU go scoreless in that second half? Did I see that correctly? I believe so, yeah, because they were winning at halftime. I uh, may have been under the influence of of things that may have knocked me out prior to uh, right right around halftime. So I did see the first half. I was not very coherent for the second half. Um, But... Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure that LSU goes scoreless in the second half. They uh, they completely abandon the run, and they can't make any sort of adjustments in a big game. Stop me if you've heard that one before. <laughs> um, big game, Brian. Yeah, big After game, After he Brian. said he was going to beat the heck out of Florida State. Oh, yeah. what a dummy. Yep, yeah, just giving them bullets and board material, but... Um, yeah, I mean, again, this is one of those scenarios where it's you, you got to ask, um, is LSU, were they just overhyped and are they really not that good? Are they maybe an eight and four, nine and three team that's like good, but not great? Or is it that Florida State is legit? Because now Florida State is well within the, uh, you know, the college football dis- uh, playoff discussion. I think most team, most people have them ranked within the top five. Um so here's my answer. It, yeah. Yes. Okay. Again, it's both. And I'm going to take a victory lap here because two things. One, I looked at my top 25 we do for the pod poll. Look out for that, guys. Um, I looked at my preseason one, and I had LSU outside the top 10. I didn't believe in them. And when we did the show last week, I was the guy who picked Florida State to win, and I said that the quarterback was better when a lot of people were liking Daniels at LSU, but I thought uh, Travis at Florida state was the superior option. And I said in last week's podcast, I think Florida state is overrated, but they are good. I just think they were getting too much hype and you're seeing that now, right? They were ranked number one by three or four of the AP poll voters. They're not, they're not number one. I like Florida State. I think they'll probably make the playoff because just the way the ACC is set up, they don't have to play Notre Dame. They only have one really tough game left, and that's going to be um, Clemson, I think, because that's at Clemson. Mm-hmm. Um, so and we'll, if they we'll beat see. Clemson, would that effectively keep Clemson out of the ACC championship? Depends on how the rest goes because they move divisionless this year, so it's just the top two records slash win percentages. Well, it could be Duke then. Duke basically it, has has their destiny in their own hands then. Yeah, it, it, it'd be very interesting. Uh, North Carolina beat South Carolina, and boy, did they look pretty good, too. Also true, yeah. The ACC could be is, is incredible, man. Absolutely unreal. Him and Caleb are one and two in the draft, and I don't I don't see that changing. Sam is number um, three. So, yeah, I, I think Florida State is really good. I ranked them in the top ten to start my season. I had LSU outside my top ten, and I think that was 
proven. I feel like just LSU got a lot of hype uh, for maybe undeserved reasons. Um, obviously, beating Alabama is huge, but look at the conditions of that game. Namely, Alabama having their worst team in 20 years and LSU getting them at home and barely squeaking by. I mean, still a big win, but I feel like they were just getting too much credit for that. So the answer is yes. Florida State is great. They're a legit threat, but they're not elite to me like Georgia is at all. And LSU isn't as good as we thought they are. Is LSU still a good team? Yeah, I think they are. I think Clemson's still a good team. I feel like people overreact a bit, but th- those are my thoughts on the, on the week's performances. So I'll bounce that back to you if you got uh, some week two games to get through. I agree with you that both LSU and Clemson are probably top 15 teams, but definitely not top eight. And, and that top eight is ultimately where, you know, kind of the bread and butter is going to be. So um, yeah. So, but just moving on again, just to cover the, uh, the, you know, the college football landscape a little bit more in in general and, and move on to picks. We are, we have five games per usual on the docket this week. We're starting with Iowa at Iowa state. It's in Ames. So yeah, at Iowa State. Yeah, that's uh, the Iowa rivalry is an interesting one because last year Iowa State won, and this year as the home team, I think they're going to lose. I'm going to take the Hawkeyes. They can throw the ball now. I think they're going to win. It'll be a good game. Uh, you know how those games always are between the two of them. And uh, yeah, I love that it's a September rivalry. It, we need more September rivalries with Notre Dame, Michigan, and Michigan State. Notre Dame being off the docket. There's not as many September rivalries, in my opinion, and uh, this is one of the good ones, so I'll take the Hawkeyes. For sure, yeah. Uh, I, I also like playing Purdue in September. That always feels like a great September yep. game. Yeah, um, those three teams. And I also agree with you here that uh, Iowa is going to come away with this, the Hawkeyes. So I, I, I think I, I heard somewhere that um, their offensive coordinator basically has some sort of deal. He has to score 25 points per game this season or else he's canned. Uh, so yeah, backs against the wall. They, they do have a quarterback that seems to be remotely competent. Their first opening drive touchdown, like pass in, I, I think since they invented the forward pass, uh, over <laughs> in Iowa. So, um, yeah, all they got to do is score like, you know, three touchdowns a game and they, they should pretty much win in almost all of those. Um, and I, I think that'll be the, the same scenario here. So I think they slowly choke them out to death. So uh, Hawkeyes to win. Next up, we have number 23, Texas A&M with uh, true sophomore quarterback at the helm, uh, Wingert, right? Connor yeah, Wingert. Uh, Wig- Wig- Wigman or Wegman, Connor Wegman. Um, and he is, uh, he and the, the A&M Aggies are traveling on the road to Miami, Florida, where they will play the university of Miami. Who do you got? Yeah. What I mentioned at the start of the podcast that Sam Hartman was second in QBR, uh, it's actually Wiegman or however you said his name, that's number one, but that's based on a one game sample size, uh, against a not so great opponent either. That's, this is a tough one. Because I don't really know what Miami is. I know Cristobal's there. I know they're recruiting better. But Miami on the football field is a disaster, it feels like. A&M has also been a disaster. They got better talent, though. And their quarterback, I like both quarterbacks because Van Dyke is pretty sweet at Miami, too. I'm going to take Texas A&M. I'm, t- I'm talking myself through this pick as we go, guys. This is not mm-hmm. premeditated. I'm going to take Texas A&M, but... That's another road game. I don't like taking the road team, but what do you think? 
I'm going to go with the home team here. I'm going to go with Miami. And it's not because I have a, a particular belief in Miami, although I think Cristobal is going to kind of get, you know, get, get his team up to play uh, this game. This is going to be one of their biggest games of the season. I, but also, uh, don't trust the quarterback yet over in Texas A&M. It, does he have tremendous upside? Yes. He's also played nobody. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then uh, additionally, and yes, they, there's definitely way more talent on the roster uh, at A&M than there is Miami, but there, this is just a team that perpetually goes eight and four for a reason because they can just never put it together. So until A&M proves something to me, um, then they're going to be on the skeptical at best uh, on, on the betting list. So I would go with the Hurricanes. Did uh, did Jimbo get fired yet, or is he still there? I think he's still there, but yeah, um, I think if he has anything less than nine wins this season, he's probably out. Yeah, it's just too too many top five recruiting classes for for them to just not be able to put it together. Well, I imagine the boosters don't enjoy paying all this much for recruits. Yeah, and then seeing these results. Because that's what's happening there, by the way. Like, they're not... Those NIL deals are something. Yeah, Jimbo Fisher still is the head coach, by the way. He's 39-21 and 21 for a win percentage of 650. I mean, he is in the SEC, but still. I feel like that's a little disappointing. Mr. 8-4. and four. Um, Moving on to two middling programs where there's actually been some fire caught uh, quite recently. Very topical. We have Nebraska and uh, Matt Rule. Head coach taking the uh, the Huskers on the road to Denver, or not Denver, Boulder. I thought I thought that was the other way around. No, they're playing at Colorado at not number twenty two, Colorado. Uh, coach Prime, and you know they came out with a statement win in his first game, uh, much to P Wagon's dismay. They took out the defending national runner ups in TCU. Uh, I think everyone acknowledges at this point that TCU was a bit of a you know a bit of a glass house there that was just waiting to break. And, and uh, I, you know, prime and, and the, the buffs certainly caught fire uh, quarterback had like four touchdowns and 500 yards or something of the sort. You know, he was, he was quite impressive. And then there's obviously Travis Hunter. Um, Nebraska is the absolute King recently in recent years of uh, just losing close games, which they did last week. So who do you got here? Do you have the Huskers or the buffs? Well, uh, I thought Nebraska was at home, and they're not. And I was going to take Nebraska for, I guess, what would be an upset. I'm still going to take Nebraska, and let me talk people into it. <laughs> for, I'm just going to make this up as I go. <laughs> First of all, this is a rivalry game. The old days when, the, when they were in the same conference there in the Southwest or the Big Eight or whatever the hell it was, back before I was born. Um, I think TCU... It wasn't great, to be honest. I feel like they lost a lot of their talent, and they weren't great. I think Colorado is better than Pulega gives them credit for. But I don't think they're great. I think... I don't think they're a top 25 team, even though I put them in my top 25, let me say that. Nebraska, on the other hand, looks worse than they really are. They're also not great, but Minnesota is a solid team, and they find ways to lose. Matt Rule's a good coach. I don't know about Dion yet. I'm going to take the Cornhuskers. I don't know if I've even talked myself into it, but that's where I'm going. Big Ten's bigger than the Pac-12? Eh, I don't know. What do you think? 
Yeah, I'm going to also go with Nebraska on this one. I'm going to keep on banging the Nebraska drum just to almost at this point, I'm just trying to will it into existence. That poor yeah. program, man, like, man, oh, we've man. been there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and Colorado, uh, also a cool program too. Like it, it's nice to see them on the ascendancy, um, as well. And I think they can, they can definitely, you know, play, uh, play spoiler in the CFP in, in years to come, uh, if, if they continue on this trajectory, but they're definitely not ready yet. Um, they're coming off a of sugar high. They're coming home. Uh, who who knows? Maybe Prime really does have the juice, and he can get these guys to uh, to you know be an eight or nine win team this year. But I see them more as a six and six or seven and five program. So, uh, yeah, and one of those losses is coming this week against the Huskers. Uh, next up on the docket, we have number twenty Ole Miss traveling to Tulane. Is it is it the Tulane Green Wave? It is. I'm brilliant. And- I, yeah, you are, sir. And I've talked myself into Tulane being the next ACC member because the ACC has done a great job getting a footprint in every key recruiting state. And Tulane is in which state, Steve? Louisiana. Louisiana. That's a pretty good football state last time I heard. Uh, also, Tulane is kind of historic. They used to be in the SEC until they left. or They used to be in a conference with Alabama, I believe. And then... Um, for some reason, left. And uh, it's also an AAU school. I didn't know that, but it is perhaps the premier school in the state of Louisiana. So I think Tulane to the ACC is a great fit for the ACC. Um, Is this relevant to the conversation? Absolutely not. Um, And in fact, they're going to get blown out by Ole Miss, but I wanted to give them their props while I was here. Uh, But Ole Miss is going to roll. I expect Ole Miss to roll, but just because I like the QB out of Tulane, I'm I'm gonna go with uh, with Tulane at home to pull off the home upset, if that makes sense. Fair enough. I hope you're right. Actually, I love Tulane yeah. now. Again, I'm I'm. These are things that I'm just straight up rooting for, just as a, a college football fan, and and uh, none of it makes sense. So bet accordingly. Um, <laughs> the last one that we have, it's the big one, game of the week. It's gonna be number eleven Texas Longhorns with Quinn Ewers and that high-powered offense looking to take out the Giants uh, in, uh, down in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, ranked number three. Uh, I don't know what time this game is. Um, that may have an effect on what we think. But, yeah, we have Texas at Bama. What are your thoughts? I imagine that's prime time for ESPN. Oh, man. I usually like to look at the quarterback situations and see what's up from there. And at the moment, I would say Texas has a better quarterback situation in Quinn Ewers, even though I'm not a big believer in him, more so than uh, Milrow or whoever their quarterback that isn't Tyler Buckner that's starting. However, Alabama is Alabama. It's co- They're coached by Nick Saban. They've got probably the most talent on the roster in college football, except maybe Georgia. Texas is getting there for sure. I don't believe in Sarkeesian as a coach, which I think is a big one. I'll tell you what, Steve. If this game was in Austin like it was last year, I think Texas wins. But it's not. It's in Tuscaloosa, and the Tide are going to roll. Alabama to win. 
once again, I'm just going to take the pick where of things that I want to happen. And that's the Longhorns going into Tuscaloosa and ripping the hearts out of the Crimson Tide fans everywhere and stomping down their chest. I, I think this is actually a year where, where Alabama, this might be, when's the last time that Alabama lost three games in a regular season? Have, in a did regular they do it season? in the 2010s? I don't think they did it in the 2010s. Or no, 20s. I don't think so. If they had ever lost three in a season, it would have included a bowl game. Yeah, so in, if we're talking regular season, I think this is the first time since like 2008 or nine that pre, gonna, pre-Nick Saban. Yeah, yeah, or like early Saban when he first got there. I think they went eight and five um, okay. a couple of years. But but yeah, the, the point is, I think this might be the first time in a long time that uh, Alabama loses three games, and it all starts with the Longhorns going in and tearing out their hearts at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I, I was able to confirm the time. Um, yeah, so that's what we have for picks. Uh, also, uh, Mr. Wagon, I'll just include what his thoughts would be. Let me pull up the DM here. It's funnier if you just make them up. Like, just yeah, pretend true. that yeah, there is thoughts. <laughs> he, uh, he picked Iowa, Miami, Nebraska, Tulane, and... Tommy Reese. So he just Ooh. he's rooting for Tommy Reese and nobody else. Yeah, I suppose Tommy Reese tweeted at him once, so they're buddies now. Correct. That's how he gets his allegiances to anything and everything in life. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, so I mean we've uh, we've gone through the uh you know the Tennessee State recap given our ho- four horsemen, we've gone through the game predictions. Uh, and we've talked a little bit more about the co- college football landscape. We're eventually going to land on the, uh, you know, uh, on on the the NC State game here in a minute. But uh, just to to circle back around to the college football landscape, any closing thoughts on you know the first you know week zero and week one teams to watch out for teams on Notre Dame schedule that uh, have all of a sudden gotten frisky or uh, or you think that conversation's passed us by. Uh, no, I think it's a good question. I really, uh, I really enjoy Penn State right now. I think they're a fun team. They didn't, they beat West Virginia pretty handedly, but they didn't put them away until kind of the end. I think that might be my pick to win the Big Ten because Ohio State doesn't look like it's it. And I, I think Michigan is really good this year. Don't let P-Wagon hear that. But I don't think... I like. I don't think they're better than Notre Dame, for example. And I think, uh, I think Penn State's going to beat them at home. So I like Penn State. That's one team to watch. It was week zero. There was nothing really, or week one. There was nothing really going on. Um, I'm curious what Pitt does this year with full, Phil Dracovic there. Uh, that could always be a trap game. But yeah, I'm. I love the first week of college football. I'm going to love the second week and the third week, and so on and so forth until it's gone. Yeah, I think those are my thoughts. Nothing, nothing too much to add. Um, based on Utah's performance against Florida, do you think that Utah beats USC yet again this year? Utah did that to Florida without their quarterback, I believe, right? So, yeah, yeah I think they do, to be honest. USC's got a horde stretch, if you don't mind me uh, riffing here and pulling mm-hmm. up USC's schedule. Because USC got absolutely screwed a big middle finger by the Pac-12 on their way out the door and I'm very glad for it yeah. uh, because it benefits Notre Dame the most so I'll just read everybody's schedule because the way it benefits Notre Dame is we're the first team of substance they play and it's one of many so it's going to boost us in terms of strength of schedule immediately um, 
and then it's only going to get harder for them. So San Jose State and Nevada, they, they blew those guys off. They're playing Stanford this week. They should win by about a million. At Arizona State, not a problem. At Colorado, that could be interesting depending on how good. That become a frisky game, yeah. If, yeah. A little frisky for them, and it's at Colorado, but I still think USC should, USC should blow them again out, out of the water. Then at home to Arizona. So they play half a game that matters um, up until Notre Dame, October 14th at Notre Dame. Then they're home to Utah. Then <laughs> they're at Cal. Then they're home to Washington. <laughs> then they're at Oregon. And then they finish the season home to UCLA. That is that's brutal. A, yeah, that's a brutal <laughs> stretch down. Yeah. So basically from the middle of October through the end of the season, they're fighting for their lives every week. And that's why I said uh, in the tweet, I think the Pac-12 cannibalizes themselves and none of them get in the playoff, even though I think the Pac-12 has at least four teams that are worthy of CFP consideration. And I don't think they're going to get any because I think they're just going to all beat the shit out of each other. So, yeah, I like Notre Dame and Utah to win. But I think USC beats Washington, probably beats UCLA, and that that Oregon game is going to be nuts. Actually, I think USC loses that one, so I think USC goes nine and three. That's uh, that's a little bit of a disappointment if I'm Lincoln Riley, but yeah. we'll save that for another day. Uh, yeah, that's I'll, I'll leave it there. We'll head to NC State. Perfect. Yeah. So NC State, this game is going to be at. Carter Finley Stadium in Raleigh, North Carolina, this upcoming weekend. It's going to be at 12 o'clock noon on ABC. So it is a noon game. Everyone make your tea times accordingly. Um, I see here that Notre Dame is currently seven and a half point favorites. The line is set at 51 points, and we're expecting the game time weather to be partly cloudy and 80 degrees. Um, NC State. Held on with a somewhat close game. It was 24-14. They just beat UConn on the road in Stores, Connecticut last week. Uh, they have, I believe, sixth-year senior uh, transfer quarterback, uh, Brennan Armstrong, that came from Virginia. He used to put the lefty. The lefty, the red-headed lefty. He's an anomaly in, an, uh, in everything he does. Put up a ton of yards and a ton of production uh, at Virginia. Uh, did not have the most productive game uh, against UConn, but again, new system, new coach, new new program. Um, is there anything, any stats you wanted to point out or, or anything that you wanted to uh, to draw attention to as we head into this game against the Wolfpack? Yeah, Notre Dame to cover, and I'll take the under because uh, Virginia, or West Virginia, <laughs> North Carolina State will move the ball. I just don't think they're going to score a lot, and I think Notre Dame's going to blow them out. We'll get to that. Um, no, I mean, Armstrong's a good quarterback. I think he had a rougher year last season. Or he had an injury. I, I can't remember which one. Transfers to NC State. I'm glad this game's at noon because Carter Finley can be a really tough environment to play in. We've lost a game there. Um, NC State fans are pretty hardcore uh, for the ACC, relatively speaking. So, yeah, a noon game. Atmosphere won't be too rowdy. Uh, they didn't look... I mean, you let a UConn team, even if that UConn team is all right, you let them hang in with you for four quarters. That's not great. Um, we should win, and we should win big. But those are my initial thoughts on it. Uh, I do respect them as an opponent, but I, I just think it's a different beast this year in Notre Dame. 
I agree. I I, uh, I do respect their team, but I think that they uh, it, it, this is too early of a matchup in the season for NC State to be cooking on all c- cylinders. Uh, they're running they're, their rushing defense did allow 160 yards to UConn. Uh, yikes! If you think that Audric Estime isn't going, you know, and and crew, uh, the, you know, those ponies are going to gallop once they hit open space, and I think rush for over 200. So, because we're Notre Dame is currently averaging 206 rushing yards a game. Uh, say what you want about the opponents, but th- this team can run the ball. And I, I also worth noting, I think that Notre Dame is really kind of, I don't, I don't think they they've put their best foot forward. Let, let's put it that way. They, oh yeah, they, there's room for improvement, which is crazy. Yeah. Um. You know, he, the thing that does concern me, I'll, I'll, I'll get out ahead of it is, you know, Brennan Armstrong did have, uh, you know, 96 rushing yards and two touchdowns. So he is a little bit shifty. He's not a world beater. He's not going to be like Lamar Jackson, but he's certainly um, mobile enough to the mm-hmm. point where it's going to make me concerned that, you know, our, our linebackers are really going to have to show out and play their best game if, if we're going to really shut them down. And as long as I've been alive, we've been unable to stop running quarterbacks. Like, that's just a thing Notre Dame has never been able to defend. So that is a concern, and that's why I think they'll move the ball. I think NC State is going to move the ball on us. They're just not going to score enough to keep up. You know what I mean? They'll they'll get some field goals. They might score a touchdown here or there. But, yeah, that Armstrong is is definitely a good quarterback. You got We got to be wary of that, so... You know, if they if they get a first down or if they drive on their first on their first possession, I don't want to see like I do every fucking week. <laughs> oh, it's one of these games again. Oh, Notre Dame's doing it again. I saw it with Tennessee State. It two drives and the timeline was going. Oh, it's Marshall all over again. Shut up, just shut up and wait for halftime at least. <laughs> let let the game play out. Anyway, sorry, I just get pissed off sometimes. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. It's uh, again, I, I un- trust me, no one understands more than me the whole sky is falling mentality um, of being a tor- tortured Notre Dame fan for the last uh, nearly two decades. Uh, we've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly, and there's been plenty of ugly, and I get that. But uh, again, you get you read the room and understand what you have. You have an elite offensive line, great wide receivers, a elite quarterback elite running backs like the offense is very very good this year night and day difference and then the defense just look at the body of work since 2017 it's been an incredible defensive program we're gonna be okay we are the better football team just let the game play out and and uh you know freeman and the guys that he's put on his staff have been coaching them up incredibly speaking of coaching i just one note from the tennessee state game that i wanted to highlight and it's something i've seen throughout the, the season Coach Chauncey Stuckey, he has those guys engaged because those wide receivers are unbelievable at blocking downfield on these runs. And it's really springing up, you know, an extra six, seven, eight yards after contact um, because, you know, guys like Audric, once he once he hits the open field, uh, he's able to get, you know, I don't know, uh, 15 yards upfield because of the, uh, the, you know, the, the push from the wide receivers before he's he gets to barrel his ass into a uh, a, def- a helpless defensive back and like basically put the guy's life at risk. So um, <laughs> so shout out to the wide receivers and again to the coaching staff for you know the play calling and you know just we're very well balanced. Everything's firing on all cylinders and I would expect that to continue and and I expect us to uh, to walk away with a win against uh, the Wolfpack. You know who I want to see this game and I think this would be a great game to break out. 
I wonder if you can guess. It's on the defense. Mm, Jalen Sneed. Absolutely, Steve. <laughs> Jalen Sneed is who I want to see this game because if this quarterback is going to try to run or escape the pocket, I want my boy right as a rover coming in to wipe him clean because that guy runs downhill. It's going to be night-night, I think. I think he's going to be so explosive, especially now that his weight's probably up since since last season. I think that was one of the reasons we didn't see him too much. Such an explosive player. I love Jalen Sneed, and I, I can't wait to see him get more involved in the team. So um, I love it. I hope we break out a little more each week, too, from the playbook offensively and defensively and the, the player personnel. Like I see, we changed uh, the punt and kick returner this week. I think that's great. You know, the first two weeks, you kind of knew you were going to win those games without taking that for granted. So I'm okay slowly, like, you know, letting things roll out. Don't show your hand too much, like P-Wagon mentioned last week, right, as a coach, just to kind of mess up the other coaching staff. Mm -hmm. And then when it comes to Ohio State, I want to see the best game we can put together uh, until it's halftime and we're up by a 1,000, and then we could go back to Steve Angeli and not show our hand for the USC game. So I'm looking forward to it. NC State, respect them, nothing against them. It's just this is a different season for Notre Dame. I think a Brian Kelly team wins close. I think that's fair to say. They probably win a, you know, 23 to 16 ball game with some weird stuff happening. Um, I think Marcus Freeman's team is going to win big. Um, I've, I'm working on a score prediction right now. I'm visualizing it. Do you got yours ready? Because it's been we've been pretty on the money so far this year. I have mine ready. Okay, okay. Let's see. I'm just doing the math. Okay, I got I uh, I got my answer. All right. Well, you si since you won last week, you have the choice to go first or defer. I'll go first because I I, I, I want to be surprised. Okay. I'm taking 41 to 13. <laughs> oh, are we close? Forty-one, sixteen. Uh. <laughs> and honestly, I had it as as uh, forty-four, thirteen, and then I just changed it up mo a couple of moments ago. That's <laughs> so funny. Like I swear to the audience, we do not plan this. Like I often write it down as we're speaking, and we we end up kind of at the same spot and hey our our uh, game prediction scores have been really good for the first two weeks like i hit spot on last week which is kind of crazy given the score line and then we both got close for navy so i'm loving it i think uh, i think we're gonna see a lot of these blowouts this year yep exactly uh well i think that pretty much covers it um another crazy week in college football and let's see how the uh you know the the top 10 shakes out, especially with that Bama versus Texas, uh, uh, that, that Texas game. And if, if Notre Dame can show out well, then, uh, you know, at the very least, we move up to number nine, I think, if, if Bama loses. And again, that just puts us uh, in, in a really good position. So take care of business. Don't overlook the pack. Uh, I'm very upset that it's only a three-hour drive for me and that I'm not able to attend this game, but that is life. Um, feels like 1988, if you ask me. And uh, go Irish. That's my statement at this time. Dylan, see us out, brother. Well said. Uh, give us a follow on Twitter and on Instagram at Horseman Pod. Uh, rate, review, five stars. You can con you can contribute to this podcast if you support us. Uh, you can also just harass us if you hate us. We'll just mute you. Don't worry. Um, love interacting with you guys. We do this for the fun of it. 
um, I mean, we all got careers, so we appreciate you listening, and I look forward to speaking to you guys next week. So, Wolfpack, they're getting put down like Liam Neeson in a movie. <laughs> Go Irish. Go Irish. <laughs>